19. Dio and Friends Quis was just finishing his last patrol of the town, Durand. So far, he had argued with one night demon, sent a hag home, and made Mr. Coppergold pay a fine for illegal mining in another man's yard. Quis scowled as Vaughn the banker stalked the dark of night. It was his nature, so Quis let him off with a single glare, but Vaughn wasn't affected. Being a 400-year-old vampire, the banker had more than enough trouble just keeping up with the new currency of copper engraves, copper pieces that had more value than gold due to a government mandate. It was cruel, but soon the economy would move on to a pure mana-based currency, where people only had to handle paperwork to claim what they owned. Vaughn grumbled about it, but the man had a habit of accepting blood money to look the other way with small matters. Or just blood, really. Quiss once bribed him to remove the weekly wicked warlocks from his public list of purchases. His enjoyment was his own. A peacekeeper had to be open and honest, which made them rather easy to remove if the community found them lacking. In this town, being simply dismissed was beyond career crippling. One old, bored woman could make a couple of elder mages dance to her song, and crumpets. It would make Quiss's goal of burning the world tree harder than needed. If one asked, Quiss did not intend for the tree to die, but only to be reminded that it could be. Quiss definitely did not have a backstory that involved such a tree, nor did he invest everything into such a goal. World trees made mana more abundant, which made burning one rather an odd goal for a mage. Quiss sniffed and shot a look at the barrel goblin that switched hiding places as people slept. Barrel goblins were protected under a legal law that stopped the more harmless pests from being slaughtered wholesale. These particular pests would hide in chests or barrels and scare those who opened them. They were really more mischievous than harmful, though the occasional odd codger in the kingdom did die of a heart attack, but that was rare. Like a world tree, Quiss could burn them, as he spotted them, but only the kind word of the law prevented him from doing so. Ruli got a kick out of them as well, which didn't affect his actions one bit, but he did let them live for no reason whatsoever. Quiss turned on the spot as Fig walked out of his home. His true name was Requestimena Figmortis, but no one liked saying Rack or Mortis. The man was a half-something. It was a fancy way of saying no one had a clue what his human parent fell in love with, and outside a niche community, no one really wanted to know. Fig had three arms and four eyes. His height towered at eight feet, with wicked energy leaking off his form. Fig was nice. He ran the local Thab's Day charity. Thab's Day had been invented when Fig had insisted that no one argued when one of his four eyes turned black and people felt fat. It was somewhere between Tuesday and Thursday. Quiss didn't want to meet him due to his need to have long lectures on Quiss's alcoholism and his own piety. It was annoying and Quiss wasn't sure a fireball would have any effect on the half-human, half-thing. He was a nag, and a rather unkillable one at that. There was a karmic cruelty embedded in those facts. 
Quist turned down a street he'd rather avoid and ran into someone else entirely. A man held up tiny random chests that could hold anything between some coppers or the lost Bible of Yangam Sheshkon. Five copper and one chest, three gold and get ten. The blind Edgar Adams offered, and Quist stormed past him before he got his remaining joy in life locked behind some paywall. He moved past a smoking woman. Quest, you have dusted, she began, and Quist ignored her with a growl on his face. I know. Tell me how to avoid people and I'll pay you, he snapped, and the woman glowered. May you live in interesting times, she spat and Quist turned on her with a full-on dark abyssal glare. The woman ran away into the darkness, and Quist looked around the rest of Soothsayer Alley. Anyone else have any illuminating commentary? He asked quietly, and one man held up a hand. My hamsters, knee bones are telling me that you are about to become a very important character. The old man ranted, and Quist felt fire rising in his throat. He calmed it down and inhaled. His village-burning days were behind him. His village-burning days were behind him. I think you and Ruli Darksness Bean have good chemistry, the love witch proclaimed, and Quist pulled out his book of fines, and the street magically became very clean. I am peacekeeper, not the local cleric priest who gains power listening to you cretins. I am Quiss Fire Smasher, and I will not be slandered by being shipped with such a vulgar woman, he called to the now silent row of buildings. No one answered, and Quiss considered his job done for the night. At least no more children would be proclaimed heroes on his watch. Then again, if he had some confused children with him, people would most likely leave him alone as they focused on the fresh meat. The girl with the wonky scar of a star on her chin? Gold mine to these people. Quiss moved past the street that was thankfully only the place where the merchants that screamed all day slept. He didn't need a plus eleven staff of draconic summoning. He'd had enough of dragons to last him the next ten years. The Gem of Shadows? Sure, he'd love to be ignored by people. Shame most people that lived here couldn't be fooled by anything short of a heroic illusion, and then some. Quiss walked to his hut where someone had left a bunch of horseshoes on his doorstep. They looked to be fresh off a centaur berserker, and Quiss gathered them up. He had no idea who kept leaving him such good luck charms, but he was hardly about to turn down free stuff. Ruli would sooner leave him centaur manure, so it certainly wasn't her. The gifts confused him, but he peered out his window and saw no one. Maybe it was a joke? Quist didn't get the joke, but he often failed to get other people's sense of humor, unless he was so drunk that rocks on the side of the road looked amusing. He turned off his glow lamp and went to bed, praying that some new fool would apply to be the peacekeepers tomorrow. If Delta the Dungeon had got anything right, it was that having minions to do your work for you was amazing. Outside the Peacekeeper's hut, 
A dark figure moved away from the hiding spot they had been sitting in for the last four hours. The way Quiss had picked up those gifts, it was scandalous, and the person felt too shy to even think about the event. Maybe tomorrow they would leave some elder treant fruits. Guess Quiss would like them. I challenge you! Dio shouted at the spiders, and they simply moved around his feet. Dio jumped back and pointed his broken blade at the spiders. I challenge you! He repeated. This had been going on for ten minutes, and Delta was too shocked to do anything other than stand there in stunned disbelief. The other two had stayed in the tunnel discussing homework. I'm going to do my paper on the futility of life and why death always wins, the guy said, pushing his glasses up so they shined off the torch perfectly. He seemed aware of where all the light sources were at any given moment. The girl nodded. Mine's on darkness, she muttered, and Dio watched as the spiders fled away from his voice into the walls. Aha! I win! he called, and moved forward, tripping over the tripwire and rolling into the webs and wall. Why am I here? A manster asked himself, and the girl shrugged. He overpowered you, and your spells suck, she said bluntly. A manster glared, but he shivered as Dio walked back to him, his rusty armor and broken blade covered in web. I underwrap, he shouted through the web, and Poppy clapped slowly. Yay! She cheered with the energy of the dead. A manster eyed the room with a sudden, deep understanding. These spiders may be poisonous, and the webs may slow us down if we hit the trip wires, he pointed out, and Delta was pretty sure her spiders weren't poisonous. They did have a white line around their butts. Awesome. Spiders drain fluids from their prey like life drains me. Poppy said, and Dio gave her a thumbs up. Ack, agic, rose, he complimented, and Poppy removed the webs from Dio's face. Yeah, you need to stop talking and keep going, she ordered with a lack of emotion, and Dio turned on the spot. I will beat this dungeon, he yelled and rushed out the room. A manster sighed with relief and picked up the web with one hand. This looks to be good stuff. Peacekeeper Quiz did mention spiders, but this is beyond normal, he inspected, and Delta felt shy as he inspected her work. Poppy just shuffled after Dio's distant screaming. One of courage, not fear. Come on, take some berries. They smell nice. Poppy sighed and shoved some into her mouth as she passed. Or maybe they can form some unique potion to resist sticky traps, or maybe we can turn into spiders and blend into the local biosphere. I'd rather make a spider skeleton, but this'll do. He shoved some web into his pocket, and Delta guessed that was nice. At least one of them liked her web. She shook off her shock for now and moved down the tunnel and saw that Dio was in the pond room. Face me, demon of the water! 
he called, as Waddles eyed his guests. Poppy walked in and then paused. Nyeh. Don't bother the dark, it, she began, but Dio jumped into the water and then seemed to sink. Can he swim? Amancer asked, and Poppy sighed. Delta hoped so, because she didn't think what to do if someone decided to swim and couldn't swim. He said that main characters can't swim and never learned. Hold on. She looked more annoyed than concerned about the screaming Dio. She held one hand in an odd way and closed her eyes. Water suction, octopod style, Poppy mumbled, and she inhaled, sucking the pond towards her mouth, where it turned into a whirlwind. The water was dragged onto the land and hauled Dio with it. Delta blinked at the odd wording and the magic that happened. Octopod style? That just screamed monster magic. I challenge you to a water jewel, the young man finished saying as he hacked up water. Poppy sighed and lowered her hood in annoyance. A manster just turned and left. Spiders? Ducks? The dungeon is lame, he complained, and Delta froze. Lame? Her dungeon was... Lame? Delta felt the word chunk around her head like a heavy lead ball. Lame. A monster! Are you blind? This duck is a truly rare dark drake. A monster of meath. This dungeon is amazing! Delta yelled after his... Friend? Delta watched him with wide eyes. He knew what Waddles was? Dio... Thought she was amazing? Yeah. Dungeons sounded like trouble, but this one is nice. Poppy yawned and moved out the pond room as Dio turned and bowed to Waddles. I respectfully bow out of this jewel, fair duck. He laughed and ran after his companions. Delta felt touched by his words until she remembered what room was next. Oh no. This was exactly what she had planned for. Delta rushed out of the room as Waddles eyed Dio. It closed his eyes and nodded. Dio didn't see how he glowed with a soft light. He saw the coat of the rude one and narrowed his duck eyes. A manster never saw how he glowed with a dark light. Dio was not an adventurer. He hadn't completed any dungeons before, but with the dungeon just appearing outside his town, he knew it was his chance to finally become one. Dio had always wanted to explore a dungeon, and exploring one that no one else had would be the best thing ever. So far, there had been spiders and ducks. That was so cool. Not many dungeons had those combos. Dio felt lucky that his town had gotten the cool dungeon. Allies, I see mudhead, Dio spoke. He turned to look at his friends with a big smile. Poppy's lips moved, but it was hard to see them with her hood. Bother, platforms, jump. He was sure, she said. Dio looked at it, Manster. Lish, jump, 
one from another, boring duck. He might have said, and Dio shook his head. The duck was powerful, and this will be fun, he said calmly. Being completely deaf didn't numb any excitement that Dio had towards exploring. His mother was a bard, and his father was a classic warrior who used special battle shouts. He had no idea why a manster was dragging his feet. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He leapt onto one of the wooden circles, and he stumbled and fell to the one to the left. It held as the one he aimed for dipped slightly. He grinned and praised the quest gods for their gift of good luck. He also added a small prayer to the dark drake. One could never be too careful. He turned to see a manster scoff and aim for the wooden platform furthest away from him, and it flipped completely, and the amazing healer ended up in the mud with a rather impressive splash that hit the ceiling. The young man looked to be yelling in excitement and waving his arms to invite Poppy. She looked about to shy away, and Dio jumped down with a yell. I shall join you, he yelled, and a manster's face didn't look pleased. Dio picked him up and hauled both of them out of the pit as the mud stuck to them both. Putting him down, Dio looked as a manster was speaking. You mud wear and drop my poppy is over gap, he explained, and Dio nodded. He turned as Poppy inflated like a balloon and just floated over. Balloon-style frog, she said as she landed. Dio grinned. Frogs are so cool, which makes you cool, he said with a soft tone. And Poppy paused, then looked away as if embarrassed, which couldn't be as black mages were too cold and aloof to feel such things. Dio walked on and loved how the mud made his homemade armor look professional. He turned the corner and saw a huge room filled with mushrooms. This dungeon was so cool! These mushrooms grew big, and Dio wondered if he could duel any of them. A manster managed to do some kind of obscure cleric detect spell and touched a random mushroom which in turn was revealed to actually be a boar. The mushroom-covered boar turned and began to chase a manster. I help! Do got this! The healer shouted with confidence, his face half-turned. Dio almost couldn't see what he was saying, but guessed a manster had the boar handled with his great white magic. Poppy walked after him with her hood down low. Dio felt a bit lost as he had nothing to do. Panicking, he turned and saw a movement. A walking mushroom man. Dio danced on the spot and walked up to the jolly thing that was softly walking after a manster and the boar with interest. Hello, I would like to duel you, Dio called, and the mushroom man paused and then slowly looked at Dio. It waved, and Dio waved back. It waved, and Dio waved back. It waved, and Dio waved back. The mushroom seemed to hear something, and it pulled its arm back, not to the fullest extent, Dio noticed, and aimed a punch at him. Dio almost squealed and dropped his sword, then hesitated. A fist fight. It wasn't heroic, and his fist skills were... Dio swallowed his complaints and docked another punch. His foe demanded his best. And Dio, the almighty hero, 
would not back down. He shot forward and aimed a fist. Delta could only stare, as the perfect hole through her mushroom grove, where a good chunk of her grove had been, simply erased by the sound of the young man's attack. Delta was shocked. She gently directed Mr. Mushy to bow and sit down. Dio the, oh my god, it's a monster, hero, bowed back and picked up his sword, which he swung with novice effort. Even her goblins could swing their clubs better. Delta felt scared of these children, wondering what kind of village they came from to have that level of power. Her dungeon vibrated, and Delta could only watch as three large spiders rushed in. No, run! These kids are the real monsters, Delta warned in vain. The spiders came, and Delta prayed for them. <laughs>